Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. With us today, Ali Fakhri and Adelia Carrillo, both with Event High. Thanks for being on the podcast, you guys. Hi. Hey, Josh. Appreciate Thanks you guys being us. with us. For those who haven't heard of Event High, um, Ali, let's start with you. What is it um, and uh, how'd you get uh, involved? Yeah, um, Event High is an online event uh, registration platform uh, that caters to the cannabis uh, industry. Um, we got started in 2017, uh, catering specifically uh, to event organizers who are having issues with ticketing and sponsorship uh, processing. So we wanted to build a platform that can allow event creators, event organizers to feel comfortable and not have to worry about getting shut down because having you know, a cannabis-related event um, and to have a, really a platform that can sell tickets, you know, promote market, and uh, just have an ecosystem that's built specifically for them. Um, so we launched the company in 2018, January 1st, and um, it's been, you know, great ever since. Um, it's kind of a unique story because we got into space uh, in the cannabis industry um, through events. You know, the first thing to meet people in the industry uh, was uh, really networking, going to different events, everything from MJ Biz, and, you know, you name it. Um, so eventually we kind of from you know, being uh, attendees at events, we started hosting our own events. And from there kind of transformed to the idea of Event High because we started noticing as event organizers um, and other people that we were in that culture, in that you know, network, uh, we're having the same issues we were. And basically we were getting kicked off of Eventbrite and Ticketmaster and you know, uh, all these different other platforms. Um, so we just kind of figured you know, enough is enough and uh, we really wanted to solve this problem. And uh, it was, a lot of work to really solve it because the biggest issue was the banking and processing these tickets online legally. Um, so we had to tackle that huge hurdle, um, which we did. And we're proud that, you know, we did. And um, we're one of the few companies that have called an MRB bank account, a marijuana related business account that allows us to transact tickets legally online and sponsorships. Um, and we formed the company. We started 2018 with a private beta and um, we got quick traction and uh, kind of grew the company from there. That's so much just packed into that right there. So let's, yeah. let's unpack that a little bit. Um, events are crazy. So this poster here was with Cliff Robinson, uh, previously with uh, the NBA, just passed away, unfortunately, from cancer. Yeah. And when I held the Blazers versus Nugs event, it was Portland's last event at the Moda Center when they played the Denver Nuggets. So we did a, a cannabis event. Oh, nice. And this is 2016. So okay. um, really early on, but it was incredibly difficult to get people to hear about it. So you didn't, you had meetup and that was okay. Um, but for social media, you, you had Instagram still shutting people down and Facebook. Um, Eventbrite didn't really like it. So it wasn't, it was packed, um, you know, but people yeah. didn't really get to hear about it. And so I wish Event High was around when we uh, did yeah. the, the Blazers versus Nugs event, but not easy. I got out of catering and event planning because that wasn't my thing. I wanted to do the Seattle Super Chronic Cafe, but Washington put a felony on maintaining wow. and operating a marijuana lounge, which still exists today, if you can believe that. Wow. So my pivot was into events um, and it's very, very challenging, very difficult, which is why I got out. <laughs> <laughs> it is, it's very difficult. Uh, I had to, yeah, I had to pivot to to uh, stay relevant and I just did a uh, consulting um, and then that pivoted into other things and um, now I'm doing my own thing, but you guys are still in it and you have dealt with a lot of stuff. So unpacking some of the the difficulties that you, you encountered with social media, can you kind of explain how you're even 
able to get event high um, even out. How do people even hear about it with, with social media shit and everything down? Yeah, I mean, with us, to be honest with you, it was kind of a, you know, a word of mouth. It was a natural kind of a, a process because um, we started working with a few event organizers that kind of spread the word for us. Uh, so the unique thing about our, our business model was when you hosted an event through our platform, you were going to share the link, you know, on your social media, on email blasts. So people were, you know, going to our website organically by, you know, promoters promoting their events that were on a platform. Um, so when, you know, people were going in to buy a ticket, they were also browsing other events and they were seeing the opportunity they can create an event as well. Um, so the platform grew organically without really having a marketing budget, especially early on when we were starting the company. Um, and it was just really word of mouth, you know, these event organizers, you know, that's what they do, they're promoters. Um, so they have to promote, you know, their event pages and uh, they were bringing traffic to the, the platform and it made it easier. And also for the attendees, when they purchase a ticket, you know, they usually share, you know, I just bought a ticket to this event. So our link was kind of being really everywhere, you know, every Instagram, you know, page you see, you know, purchase tickets, click on the link right here. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of exciting to see that kind of um, organic growth. Uh, but eventually, as we grew the company and we brought in, you know, Adalia as our CMO, we kind of went a different strategy and different kind of um, thinking of how we can interact with these customers and kind of really increase, you know, our user base, uh, you know, based off of our market strategy and kind of really just looking at it more of, of a same way we kind of started the company as that, you know, word of mouth. Uh, but we kind of just, you know, enhanced a little bit more, uh, added more content, added more things to allow you know, different kind of, you know, customers to come on board. Um, Adalia, I don't know if you want to maybe, uh, you know, touch point on any of that as well. Yeah, um, you know, that was the biggest thing was what I loved. It was an organic reach in the beginning when I saw Event High starting to grow. Um, and then joining the team, it really, I really wanted to focus on educating event hosts, um, you know, how they can host a, whether their state has certain requirements and, and licenses, um, California specifically did. So we started diving in and trying to teach different, uh, all the different event hosts that were in California, you know, how they could host a compliant event. Um, we started hosting, creating different articles state by state on how to get into the cannabis industry as an event planner. Um, then we started doing interviews with event hosts, giving them a platform. So that's the thing too, you know, in the beginning they were promoting us and now, now that it's kind of come full circle and we've been able to grow to over 43 different states, we're now offering them what we can in return, you know, giving them um, promotion and doing what we can to enhance their exposure through through our network now that we've been able to grow. Um, so there's just been a variety of different changes. We have weekly newsletters that go out. We have uh, newsletters that go out monthly to event hosts to educate them. We also have one that's a sponsorship newsletter, again, that creates content that can educate event hosts or sponsors on why it's important to sponsor an event. Can you just explain to the audience the, your your background a little bit too? Because this isn't your first rodeo. We've been connected on LinkedIn and social media for for a couple of years now. Um, and so, what what were you doing before Event High? How did you get into the industry? Yeah. So um, before Event High, um, and even getting into the industry, you know, I, I look at myself first cannabis from a patient perspective. That's really what brought me back to this plant uh, was the, the patient role and how it helped me personally. Um, I, ended, I had a corporate career. I was in the consumer electronic industry, but during that, those health moments in, that, in my life, um, I ended up questioning what I was doing and what I wanted to do. 
So I started studying more about the plant, which led to my first company in the cannabis industry called Direct Cannabis Network. I felt that I could really build a bridge between corporate and entrepreneurship and, and really make sure we didn't lose that heart that was going to come in as more corporate and businesses came in. So we highlighted startups, tech, entrepreneurs, and shared their why. Um, but that was the thing. What I love is that it taught me so much on you know, how to really scale and build a company um, with, you know, launching a company like DCN. I was out everywhere. I was doing, pot, uh, I was trying to get on any podcast that I could, trying to apply for every speaking opportunity I could. Um, and then again, kind of similar to, to Event High, which I thought was great, was that the same thing. You highlight an uh, entrepreneur, they're going to share that to their network. You know, they're going to share that article link. And so um, there were some similarities when I came into Event High and how we they were marketing themselves. And then I looked at ways that I was able to scale DCN to become that global network and utilize that and, you know, bring that to, to the team over here at Event High. There's been some progression with the events, with uh, social media not shutting down as many accounts. So we've seen some progression over the years. Um, but I'm wondering with the, the marijuana-related businesses, Ali, how did, how did that impact your business and availability to um, operate, if, if not to expand and stay in business? Uh, how did it benefit you? And, and do you feel like that was um, an advantage over, over other companies? Yeah, I mean, we definitely um, looked at it, um, you know, after, you know, getting everything and going through all the hoops, you know, we see it now as an advantage. Uh, but early on when we were building, you know, the code and actually building the platform uh, with my co-founders, we didn't see ourselves as a, you know, a cannabis company because we weren't selling cannabis uh, through our platform. It was just events and tickets. Uh, so we really didn't have any worries about, you know, being compliant with banking or, processing companies uh, because we just figured we're doing events. Uh, but eventually, as we started digging more and more, uh, we realized that, you know, these platforms like Eventbrite and Meetup and any platform really free event or paid event does not matter. Uh, if it's on their platform, they consider it as a prohibited uh, event, prohibited merchant and a prohibited transaction um, because of, you know, they have to obey by their, you know, financial institutions and how they process tickets for all their events. Um, so for us was difficult to find a bank um, that was willing to work with us as a cannabis software company. Um, again, we were, you know, doing events, so we were more on the less risky than, you know, if we were selling at a dispensary or anything like that. Um, but eventually, as we started building the platform, we figured that if we can, you know, team up with a bank that would have a transparent relationship with us, um, would allow us to, you know, transact and secure, you know, these payments that are coming through our platform, um, to our customers uh, without any worry or, you know, having the fear of us getting shut down, which, in, you know, in return will shut our customers down. Um, so we basically knocked on every bank's door, you know, uh, everybody, you know, you tell them you're a software company, a startup, they would love to give you an application, fill it out. The second you say cannabis, you know, sorry, you know, we can't help you. Here's a you know, door. Um, so we eventually found a bank called Partner Colorado Credit Union. Uh, they have a program called... Um, Safe Harbor Private Bank, which is a DBA of the actual bank that only deals with MRBs or CRBs, cannabis-related businesses or marijuana-related businesses. And uh, we kind of really hit it off with the CEO and had a really good relationship and spoke on different panels, specifically on cannabis banking. And eventually, we were one of the first companies to obtain an MRB bank account uh, back in 2017. Uh, I want to say maybe two months before we launched the platform. 
uh, we were, I mean, it was a nail biter because we, we didn't, without the payment process and secure, you know, we couldn't just use PayPal, we couldn't use Stripe because they could have shut, shut us down with, you know, with any warning. Um, so that was really where everything kind of started and started seeing the advantage of that we had that majority of our customers were coming in, you know, getting shut down from Eventbrite or other platform to our platform. Uh, we were calling them refugees because they had nowhere to go. They were frustrated and, you know, it was because this is their business. This is what they do, you know. Um, so eventually started kind of really dawning on us that, you know, this is not just a problem that we were having. This is something that everybody was having and um, allowed us to really have a, a leg up on a lot of other event platforms. The, I wanted to chime in, though. I think the one thing, you know, not only was it the hard work to obtain this account, um, it's still a lot of hard work to, to, you know, keep it. There's a lot of due diligence factors that I had no idea went beyond this. You know, it's not just, okay, now we've built this relationship with the bank. Like there's auditing every, you know, every quarter, there's due diligence that we have to follow. Like, it's not easy to keep these. It, it takes like a full-time job just to keep, keep, maintain this kind of bank account, which is so baffling to me because as Ali mentioned in the beginning, when they thought we're like, we're not, we're not touching the plan. We're selling tickets and sponsorships. Why, why do we have to go through this process? But it, it does take a lot to kind of maintain these kind of accounts, which is very interesting. Yeah, I don't think people in this industry understand the, the level of compliance. I worked for a, a brokerage firm. And when I started, it was this teeny little tech company and it had one person working in compliance yeah. And no one wanted to talk to her. And it was because she was so overworked, Imagine. you know, you'd wait till she had her coffee or whatever. And then if you had a question, if you really had a question, <laughs> you'd go there. and talk to her after she had her coffee. So then once uh, Capital One bought us, that one person job went to like 15 people or whatever. Wow. And all of these cannabis companies that are filing IPOs have no idea just about the compliance and regulations that they're going to have uh, wow. once they, they make it into the, the real world, as we'll call it. Very true. Um, so yeah, it's very the interesting. As, uh, the bank looks at it as a high, you know, risk industry, um, and that's that's the issue here, you know. And especially as federally illegal, um, that is even bigger, you know. And that's the wall. Uh, but that's the thing that we really kind of discovered that it is possible. You know, a lot of I know a lot of companies in the space having difficulties getting shut down, and you know, um, you know the the lighter side of this. But there is you know banks out there that do these programs, um, and you know. I feel like it's just if you do your homework, you read, you know, a few hundreds of white papers, you eventually figure out the way to do this, you know, and it is possible. Um, but unfortunately, until things get, you know, federally legalized, we're always going to be a high risk industry. Right. Yeah. And hopefully that'll be some kind of a normalization when it does get legalized. And speaking of going back to normal, uh, pre-pandemic yeah. was was great. You know, we went to the MJ BizCon in 2019 in December, and that was kind of the last event that I went to. Um, there's some local ones in, in Oregon, but uh, for it's been you, you know, go to the Emerald Cup afterwards. What's that? You didn't go to the Emerald Cup afterwards. You know what? I have <laughs> it was like the away. day next day. <laughs> I haven't, man. I've stayed away from California. I find that market to be incredibly intimidating because <laughs> um, <laughs> if if I dive into California, like I'm all in. You know, like yeah, I'm not going to go down there and just meet one client and be okay with that. Being the fifth yeah. largest uh, economy in the world, True. like I just I just have stayed away from California because it intimidates me. <laughs> <laughs> I need like three other you know of me's in order to like, <laughs> tackle that market. It's huge. How do you guys tackle California? There's a lot going on. They have their micro markets. There's, you know, pre-pandemic, you could have your own event, but now that you're maybe working on bandwidth, 
how do you manage all of these accounts and all of these new markets with you know Montana, Missouri, Arizona, New Jersey, and then you've got Vermont that's broke and, and, and uh, Kentucky and, and New York's got FOMO. Everyone seems to be pulling at you wanting to have a, an online event. How was that different than pre-pandemic and how are you guys moving into this, this post-pandemic world? Uh, yeah, so basically when we started, uh, you know, before uh, the pandemic kind of really hit, we were doing amazing as a startup, you know, we were growing, you know, um, faster than we can, you know, see on, on paper. So for us, you know, it was an amazing traction, you know, the company was moving in the right direction. Um, everything was really kind of on our side. We even won uh, the best uh, tech company in 2019 at the Cannabis Award in Vegas. Uh, so we were, nice. you know, excited, you know, leaving 2019 on a high note. And when the pandemic hit, um, it really kind of changed our entire, you know, perspective on, you know, events and how we should operate as a company because our platform was built, uh, you know, to connect people offline, not online, you know. So everything we've done, you know, the past few years uh, from code to features to, you know, promoting marketing, everything was to really promote the outside, you know, of human connection, you know, face to face. Um, so when that happened, it really kind of hit us hard because we saw, I want to say at least 75% to 80% drop in our revenue. So it was a drastic, I mean, drastic change. It was a, you know, punch in the gut, to be honest with you. I remember having a meeting with the entire team and kind of really explained to them that, you know, this could be, you know, something that could end the company, you know, but um, we were, you know, all of us smart enough to really sit and pivot and see what we have and the network we've built with event organizers. And we just started slowly converting, you know, these event organizers to online events. Uh, we converted our platform to, you know, work with online events, um, you know, our marketing, our strategy, everything really kind of transformed to, you know, allow these event organizers to host some of these online events. Because um, a lot of them, you know, they were comfortable with their, what they were doing in person. Uh, but when it came to hosting events online, they were far as Zoom, you know, they knew a little bit about Zoom, how to use Zoom. But, you know, with us, and we're kind of a very tech savvy, uh, we you know, we teamed up with different platforms that we allowed our customers to use through our portals uh, and also offered services to allow them to host these events uh, with our team in the background. So they would hire us to do event, you know, production virtually. Um, and it really kind of opened the door and allowed us to have a whole new revenue uh, channel, to be honest with you, which we didn't have, you know, beginning of last year. Um, but also it gave us kind of another perspective of seeing the importance of, you know, that communication, if it's online or in person um, and how important it is because we started getting events. I mean, before 2020, we were only in the US. Um, after 2020, we actually expanded to five other countries. So we started working in Israel and Canada and Spain. So it was really interesting to us how that change happened, you know, uh, but also, I mean, Daliana, if you want to maybe uh, touch base on the marketing and how that completely changed and how we, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know, as Ali mentioned, our team, we're so thankful for the team. You know, everybody got together after that because it was the hardest thing. We really had to look at ourselves and, and look to our team members and let them know this, like Ali said, this could make or break. But we, we pivoted to the, the approach of virtual events. And what we did really focus first was just reaching out to all of our event hosts and just communicating them through the process and saying, you know, this is what we think, you know, moving towards virtual events. This is how we're going to help you starting to educate again on how to host virtual events, offering the virtual event production services. So we, that was a new tool that we started offering. We would handle 
behind the scenes because as event hosts, they're so used to in-person events. Now trying to learn some new technology was going to be a whole nother avenue. Um, however, what I, what I saw with that was you had a variety of event hosts who were ready. They were ready to pivot and they, they jumped on it. They started hosting these virtual events. But then we had the other half that was like, no, you know what? I'm just going to take the next couple months off because everybody assumed this was something that we would get over pretty over with pretty quickly. Um, obviously that changed. And now we're starting to see those individuals being more interested in virtual events. So it's almost about a year after, and now they're starting to be more open, um, but they're also looking now at the hybrid component. Um, so from a, a perspective of what you were saying in, you know, how do, how did we kind of stay relevant and, and kind of, I mean, keep growing at that approach, um, the, the virtual event productions did open the door to new event hosts, uh, even though we had quite a few that weren't ready to move forward with that, uh, that kind of uh, like model. Um, it did that word of mouth and seeing other event organizers move to virtual led to new introductions. Um, so it, it opened up a new revenue model, um, but it still had its ways in growing uh, the company a little bit. Even though the, the business model, like we said, it's not fully back to what it was for us, but we have some good little things coming in. That's awesome. What's, what's one of the more uh, memorable events you've been to, either the ones that you've hosted uh, through Event High or just early on in the industry? Is there an event that sticks out in your mind as memorable for either being a complete shit show or just one of your favorites? I'm going to say mine before his because he's going to say Emerald Cup and I'm going to say Emerald Cup. <laughs> I would have to say, so we have, we were still working, you know, trying to work with Tim Blake and their team um, uh, to, you know, have the Emerald Cup on our platform, but definitely Emerald Cup uh, would be one of the, the top, but one of the ones that we did work with directly on our platform that, you know, used our uh, software, uh, Meadow, Meadowlands. I don't know if you've heard of that one. Um, so Meadow is a software company. They do, I believe, a POS system. And they host this event once a year called Meadowland. Uh, that's just literally a camping trip for the industry, and it's industry specific. Uh, it's really interesting because they have you know everybody from like Lower Ajax and you know people come and speak, but at the same time camping with a bunch of industry you know mm. people. Um, it's, I believe it's a three day event, um, and it was just it was an amazing experience to be honest with you because they had you know at night they had like a, uh, like a like a disco club with headphones, but there's no music, oh, so yeah. everybody's dancing. Silent disco. Yeah, yeah. So it was really interesting, kind of being part of it and. You know, uh, we had French Cannoli doing, you know, hash bar and all oh, that. Man. Yeah, it was just an amazing experience. So that that would be for me for sure for, you know, an event that we work with directly. That one cool. to, to kind of go into, that's not one of my favorites, but to add to the yeah. Meadowlands part too, what was really cool on that perspective is you're, nobody's wearing their, their, you know, at a conference, they're going to have their name tag or their logo or some sort of branding. At Meadowlands, nobody really, you didn't know who was who. And so I think that really allowed for authentic connections and conversations to happen because sometimes you know you can see someone that you know is really really let's say big in the industry and it can be intimidating there it was just everybody was able to just be on the same level and just talk and communicate um so that, that's just one i wanted to add um but outside of for me outside of the emerald cup i love the diff the different kinds of dinners that are happening um you know i know some things have changed and some states have some compliancy things that they've now incorporated. But I, I love that these chefs are starting to look at fine dining and giving these experiences in general. It's probably because I love food in general too, so that's why. Um, but in regards to kind of like shit shows, 
Um, I haven't been to one specifically, but you hear through the grapevines, you know, you just hear of just uh, maybe people didn't have enough staff and things kind of got out of control, especially if they're more um, consumption type events. Um, you know, it's not the same as when you have alcohol though. It's not that kind of crazy thing. It's just like either too much capacity and not enough like again, not enough people to staff it or not enough trash cans, little things like that, that you're like, oh, these are things that people can hopefully learn from really quickly, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I am looking forward to more uh, chefs coming out. We have a felony on maintaining and operating a marijuana lounge here. So you can't do cannabis cafes or anything like that. I've that, heard about that. <clears throat> yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, as soon as we can do that and open the window or the soul to the community where you can kind of have that engagement, there's a really awesome chef. If you, next time you guys are in Seattle, um, Chef Eric uh, Rivera um, with, with Ado, A-D-D-O, okay. a very um, unique restaurant where you have to actually make reservations. You can't just pop in. So there may only be one other couple with you eating. Um and he, yeah, he might surprise you because he'll look on social media and he'd be like, oh, you're interested in that? Maybe that's your dessert. And oh, so wow. you, all of a sudden you might get this thing and you're like, is this okay? <laughs> um, so anyway, really cool. Looking forward to the yeah. same thing that you guys are talking about, all these events yeah. and in-person things. I got to get down there to the Emerald Cup. Uh, maybe you guys can show me around when I get yeah, down there. Sure. Um so yeah, what are you guys looking forward to as we kind of wrap this up? What's the events that you guys are going to be putting on uh, either this year or next year? Um, hopefully things open up next year. But uh, what are some events that you guys are putting on that you're looking forward to uh, for the remaining of, the, of 2021? Um, so to be honest with you, I mean, for us, uh, you know, the events that our clients put on, um, you know, that's what we look forward to. But as of now, you know, a lot of things are kind of still being in limbo. So uh, we're not seeing that many, you know, planning happening. Uh, but we're hoping, you know, things will open up again, you know, like Kristoff Festival, uh, Secret Sesh, some of these, you know, bigger festival consumption events, uh, licensed mm -hmm. events. Um, you know, we're hoping these kind of, you know, roll back uh, soon. I'm guessing, you know, maybe third quarter, fourth quarter, uh, because what's happening with, you know, the pandemic, um, everything is kind of limbo. And a lot of these organizers, you know, pay a lot of money up front to secure venues and, you know, such things as security and all that. So um, we're kind of really just, you know, excited just to be in the space and just kind of really see things, you know, slowly open up uh, because we truly believe that, you know, things will get 10 times better. You know, more people want to go out and spend money and go to events and travel and go to lounges. Um, so we're really kind of more excited about, you know, the future of just in sense of, you know, uh, uh, travel, um, you know, just in general, you know, people leaving the house and actually doing things. Um, and that's kind of what we're looking for. You know, we really want to see that whole, you know, comeback of, you know, more events and, you know, hopefully more lounges to open up, more things to do. Um, and that's kind of what we're looking for, uh, to be honest with you, just to seeing that transformation happen, um, specifically, you know, in the cannabis tourism event space. And uh, we want to kind of really be part of it and, you know, um, just and see how that all folds out. I think it's it's happening already. There's a lot of golf tournaments I've seen from, um, and they've expanded. So Washington, I saw has one coming up and then nice. Arizona, uh, they've got one, Colorado, nice. um, I think Illinois. So you can't necessarily have like indoor consumption events, um, but maybe oh, yeah. we can get creative and just do golfing events and hang out. One of the favorite events I went to was in 2016, I think. Um, seems like a lifetime ago, <laughs> but it was this golf tournament and um, it took about six and a half hours. The average round of golf is about four hours and 20 minutes. 
So it was about six and a half hours, but um, totally worth it because there wow. was like somebody on every hole giving you a dab or a bomb. Oh my God, that sounds fun. Or it was phenomenal. It was in Oregon and um, I would do that in a heartbeat. <laughs> I believe uh, David uh, Tran from uh, Field Child Events, they're doing a, a golf tournament on 420, I think. Oh, he didn't mention that. He was just yeah. on the podcast uh, earlier this week. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I was sure. Yeah, I, think I would I definitely heard, attend. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, he does amazing events. Yeah, yeah, I love yeah. Dave. He's he's yeah. a fun guy to have. Yeah, definitely. Um, which is why he was on the Talking Hedge earlier. He's, <laughs> he's a funny dude. He is he's an amazing uh, guy. I, yeah. I do want to mention a couple of things. Um, <laughs> although we we don't normally host uh, events, we uh, before COVID we were hosting just community events to give back to the communities. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, beach cleanups, giving uh, care packages to um, to those in need, and so that kind of pivoted into a virtual event uh, called High Day. Um, we may be doing another one this year called High Day 2021. Um, but outside of that, too, we 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 joined Clubhouse. We also have uh, the future of cannabis events where we talk to event hosts as well on there each week. Um, so again, just ways that we can continue to educate, bring the event host and tourism community together because events aren't going to be the same right away overnight. So if we can all kind of build a guidelines of how to do it and ways to, to move forward successfully, again, as Ali was saying, that we can get there quicker to that place where the event and tourism industry will have its bounce back. Yeah, you guys are in the epicenter, fifth largest economy in the world, uh, one of the older uh, cultures of cannabis. And so you guys are really in the hotbed epicenter of it all. So I'm, I'm excited to, uh, to continue to follow you guys and watch and see the, the progression. Um, anything that I missed, anything I left out, anything you'd like to plug or um, you know, express your excitement for or anything else at, at this time? Um, I would love to give a shout out to all of our users. You know, um, they're you know, without them, we couldn't be here. So, you know, all these event organizers that, you know, dealt with 2020 and 2021, uh, you know, much love to them and, you know, the strength of, you know, keeping up and, you know, sticking to what they do. So uh, we want to give a big shout out to our user base. Shout out Event High users. We're not going to include you in the show notes because there's too many of you. <laughs> um, anything else? Any other plugs? Like where can they find you on social media? What's your website? What's what's all that stuff? Plug it. Yeah, they can... Uh, to check out the Event High Marketplace, go to www.eventhigh, like hi, hello, .io. Um, on Instagram, it's at eventhigh.io. Twitter is at eventhigh underscore io. So you can literally just put that up there. We also have some uh, cannabis-related uh, groups worldwide on Facebook that just has a bunch of different people all over the world um, who are talking about cannabis events. Um, and so, yeah, those are all the different ways you can find Event High and reach out to us. We're always here to provide any feedback or insight to hosting cannabis events. Um, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. And we'll, we'll include a, a lot of the, the show notes and uh, social media links uh, in the description. So Perfect. I think with that, anything else? No, that'll be it. Uh, I, I do gotta recommend to everybody to subscribe to the channel because I, I, I subscribed to your YouTube channel today. So I, yeah. I watched them. Yeah, so I gotta recommend that. Was, uh, I'm, I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. So keep it I up. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah, I didn't want to. Um, I was. I went to Puerto Rico. I learned about the advantages of doing business in Puerto Rico, and I was like, you know okay. what? I got to talk to some people on a podcast about that. And they were like, you know what? That is way too nerdy for me. So no. And I was like, I'm, I'm just gonna start my own. Then I'm gonna <laughs> talk about Puerto Rico. So here we are. 
Like uh, if you're not in, in Puerto Rico, you should do business in Puerto Rico. It's the only place in the world that you're not going to be taxed at a federal oh, really? tax rate. Uh, and Event High, you guys should look at um, a bilingual call center in Puerto Rico, have all your sales through there, and not pay 20% to the government, and you can save a ton interesting, of money. Interesting. We're looking at Mexico right for now. a whole bunch more financial <laughs> advice if you want. Yeah. Perfect. I appreciate it. No, actually, that. that's not financial advice. I can't even say that. So just yeah, don't yeah. anything. I, <laughs> I just discard it. <laughs> All right. I think with that, we're going to roll this one up. I want to thank my guest, Ali Fakhri. He is the founder and CEO of Event High. And there's also uh, Adelia Carrillo. She's the chief marketing officer for Event High, right? Uh, no. no or yeah. Chief marketing officer. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Okay. I think I got all of that right. That's good. All right. And we'll, we'll also plug you guys, uh, your LinkedIn uh, connections, and, and so people can get a hold of you through there. Perfect. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is the Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, I'm Gary. And I invite you to discover the Cannabis Podcast, a bi-weekly podcast focused on a Canadian's cannabis culture. I would be the Canadian, and my cannabis passion and culture has been building for five decades. I share that passion for this wonderful plant in every episode, through conversations with cannabis advocates and enthusiasts, stories about the ever-changing legal environment, and some hands-on testing of product in a segment I call Cultivar Corner. The Cannabis Podcast, a Canadian's cannabis culture, one token at a time.